the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, here we are, the fourth Sunday of Easter, and if you hadn't picked up on the theme already, it's Good Shepherd Sunday, and it's common on this Sunday to think of Christ the Good Shepherd, and probably also an opportunity for those of us who are in holy orders and priests to think about uh, what it means to be a shepherd, to be called to be a shepherd. But today I want to spend some time uh, thinking about all of us and the way that we've all been called to be shepherds. Um, and so the text today felt like a water hose this week. Uh, it just felt like everyone was, was just saying so much good stuff, but they were all pointing in the same direction. So if it was a water hose or three of them, they were all pointing in the same direction. And so we get to think very much along with these texts this evening. But perhaps even more importantly, we get to think along with um, our bishop, our shepherd uh, this evening, Bishop Keith. And, and so we're going to do that. Um, I, I trust you got one of these when you came in. Um, if you didn't, it's not necessary that you got one, but if you didn't get one of these, uh, maybe someone near you has one, and there's more on the way out, I think, right, Timothy? There's more on the table, and there's more in the rack for sure. And so you at least got one of these. And so um, what I want to do is, first off, I, I want to, um, I don't know if repent's too strong a word, but I want to register regret um, as the priest of this parish, as the rector of this parish, um, as you can imagine, being bivocational in the way that I am bivocational, um, which is not the proper way to be a bivocational priest, which is to work a 60-plus hour job and then also to have a parish on top of it, um, that, you know, in these first few years since Bishop Keith became our bishop and was really setting his vision, um, it's not that I wasn't necessarily on board with the vision, though I felt maybe so hard-pressed and worked over that I wasn't always working along with the vision, and there were moments where I thought, maybe I'm not on board with this vision, and what, what does that mean to feel like you're a bit out of step with what your bishop and your diocese, and how, he's gonna, how he is leading the diocese? And so um, maybe a bit of remorse on my part and acknowledgement to you that I probably should have preached a sermon like this a year ago at least, but, but here we are nonetheless. And so you can see from this diocesan uh, flyer, um, I think they're called table cards or table tents or something. You're supposed to set them up on a table and think about these things. And so, um, but you'll notice by opening it up to the blue and gray pages that um, our diocese is pursuing a particular direction. And the word that is attached to that is missional. And, and, and part of what I was failing to get behind was this word missional. I, I kept hearing it. I didn't know what it meant. Um, what it mostly sounded like was run some programs, right? And I thought, we don't do that at Epiphany. We don't run programs because I've been a pastor long enough to know it's not about programs, right? We're not going to schedule it and hope they come. We'll wait until people rise up and feel led of the Spirit to do things, which is why we have a youth group now, thanks to Adam and Megan feeling led to start that. And, and uh, Lace, the, the ladies of uh, Epiphany, when they get together, that's their, that's their own volition. We didn't schedule and say, once this often, there needs to be a thing, right? No, instead, it, missional started sounding like, I think it just means programs, and we're not going to run programs. That's not the best way to do uh, parish ministry. And, and then it felt a little bit like the church maybe was trying to be turned into like too much of like always thinking beyond the walls. And I thought to myself, except 
The Eucharist is for the people of God. It's what we're nourished, and that's why we pray ourselves out beyond the walls to do the work God has given us to do, to love and serve our neighbors, and to love God and to love our neighbors. And so I, I, I just was wrestling with this word missional, and part of it is I'm stubborn, and part of it is, is I'm trained as a theologian, so I have the added baggage of always hearing theological language and asking lots of questions about it and wanting answers, and, uh, and so I... I was resistant to maybe what the vision was being cast for us as a diocese. But I've come around. And I've come around, I think, because I needed to come around. And because I think that what our bishop is doing, and the direction he's pointing us is the right direction. Now, I am saying this on the record. We record these sermons. I don't want to be a bishop. I do not want to be a bishop. I do not envy the office of a bishop. I do not aspire to the office of a bishop, though perhaps that might not be scriptural because it does say we're supposed to aspire to greater things, but I don't aspire to be a bishop. I, I recognize the difficulty of what it must be to lead a bunch of people like me, <laughs> right? To, to have the ideal image of what it means to be a shepherd and to realize you're priests or cats, and that's not exactly the shepherding you had imagined. And so um, as the bishop has been leading us, he's been doing it so patiently and so well, he hasn't made us do anything that would be against our conscience or against our timing, but he's just patiently been waiting. And I think his patience, in my case, in our case, I trust, has paid off. And so our texts this evening really lay the foundation. They're not necessarily the text that this uh, flyer points to. That, that is the great commandment. One of the things is, as we start every service, love God, love our neighbor. Right? We say that every week. We are reminded every week that the new covenant, right, that, that, that this dispensation of Jesus Christ can be condensed down to loving God with all our heart, soul, and mind and loving our neighbor as ourselves. And so we start every Eucharist with that, with that um, commandment. And then we don't end necessarily. I'm looking at the left here. If you're looking at the disciples making disciples page, it doesn't necessarily end with the great commission per se, as in the sense that we quote this, but we, God sends us out. We pray that God will send us out to do the work God has given us to do. So we, we, we start with the commandment and we leave with the commission. And that's to do that loving that we started the service talking about. But now more equipped because we've heard the word read, we've heard it preached, we've received the grace and the sacrament. And so God is now sending us out to do this work. And so we do that. And of course, that means God sends us out to do the work he's called us to do as human beings, whether that's as a homemaker, as a writer, as an editor, as a professor, as a student, as a retiree who works with veterans, as fill in the blank. We go to do that work, but always bearing in mind that the greatest commission we've been given and entrusted to is to love God and love our neighbor. And so what I was missing, I think, for a while was that the missional part was about that loving the neighbor. And it, and it was about beyond the four walls, as, as we could think about it. But it's, it's not just that. It's connected. What we do here is not isolated from that. We don't, we don't have the doors locked at a certain time so people can't come in. We invite everyone to come into this parish. We do not charge rent for these pews like they used to do in the not-so-good old days, I guess. And so we say, come into our church, sit, be, commune. We have an open communion policy. If you've been baptized, you are welcome to commune. 
in this parish. We welcome people. And then we say, if you're not baptized, we can do something about that as well, right? So we are an open parish. We invite people into these walls. And we do send ourselves out. God sends us out. We kind of commission one another because of God's commission to us to go out and make a difference in the world. And I don't doubt that we all do that. I don't doubt that you excel at the things that God has caused you, called you to do. I mean, I've sat through some of your dawn rags. You struggle, but you still excel at what God has called you to do, right? I don't always get it right. I wear out. I get tired. I'm not always a great professor. I'm not always a great husband. I'm not always a great father, right? So we struggle our way through that. But again, we come back the next week. Why? To get further equipped to do that work. But on top of that, we have to think beyond just those immediate vocational callings that we have. We need to think about the way we rub shoulders each and every day with our neighbors, right? Which we might think of as the other people in our life, right? So both maybe people we work at one cubicle over that we don't know, the people we live next to and have never said hi to them. The people who live down the street that always play that loud music on the weekends and it kind of annoys you, and that's the only time you're tempted to talk to them is to go tell them to turn their music down as opposed to any other time just to go and have a conversation with them. And that is not a true story. I've not done that. But we, we, need, to, we need to have love for our, for our neighbors and not just generically. And that's what the word missional was trying to say. That's what the bishop's emphasis was about. That it's not enough to say, yeah, we need to do this, and aren't we equipping ourselves to do this in the Eucharist, and aren't we going out every Sunday from these walls and doing it? And again, I think we were. I think you are. But I think it needs to be more than that. And I think our text tonight just speaks so clearly to that. And so let me start with the First John passage that we had read for us tonight. First John 3. By this we know love. Now think about that. If you're falling in love, right, you'd like to know, how do I know it? Or even maybe more importantly, if you've fallen in love and if you want to know if they love you back, isn't it great when you know what to look for? So John says, you want to know if you love? I'll tell you how. That Jesus laid down his life for us. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers and the sisters. Right? We know God's love because Jesus died for us. But we know love, we show love, because we ought to lay down our lives for others. Now, this may never actually mean that you have to decide if you're going to step in front of the bus for someone. Right? But, but what are we doing? How do we lay our lives down each and every day for other people? Right? That's what John is getting at here. That, look, Jesus did this. He gave us the example. So we ought to do what he did for us. And then just a couple verses later, little children, because that's what we are, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. I love to love in word and talk. You know why? Because I traffic in words. I'm good at that. But to love indeed, wow, that sounds time-consuming. That sounds inconvenient. 
It sounds like I have to think about it, put some energy into it. Oh, I'll love indeed if it's something I like to do. But I don't want to love indeed if it's something I don't like to do. But John says, let us, little children, not love in word or talk only. It is not enough. No good marriage can simply be prefaced on words. I'm guessing. I don't know, because mine's not just about words. Right? It is indeed. And it is in truth. And so, if that's true of human relationships, how much more with the relationship we have with God and then that we are to have with others? To love others who we might not know real well. To love others who we might not even like all that well. Not just in word or talk. Not like, oh, my neighbor's so annoying. I mean, I love him and all because, you know, I'm a Christian, but he drives me nuts. I'll be honest with you, I have one of those neighbors. But to love that neighbor in deed and in truth, that's what John says we are to be doing. And again, that's hard. And I think what the bishop was asking when he was using the word missional is he was saying, look, you can't just love in word and talk. You can't just say the words of the Eucharist. You can't just pray together as a parish. And you can't even say this concluding collect, this concluding prayer, and then kind of push each other out the door and say, no, go do it. Hopefully, if you can, the way you want to do it. But instead, no, it's to be sent to do this in deed and with words, not just in words, but in deeds. And again, right there in the text and kind of right there on that processional cross is the image of why we have to do it. Why? Because Jesus. Jesus did not take a comfortable seat and say, yeah, I mean, someone ought to get up on that cross. That would make a lot of good sense. Jesus didn't say any volunteers. No, he God on the cross, he volunteered, he gave us the example, and so we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers and sisters as well. Then there's the reading from the Acts of the Apostles. So Peter, having just preached a killer sermon, people have come into the church, but they've also healed, they healed this crippled man. So they're drug in front of the rulers, right? And they they set, they set, uh, at least Peter and others in front of them, and by what power, by what name did you do this? And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means has this man been healed? By the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he says. You want to know how this good deed of us healing a man has been done? It's not me, Peter. It was Jesus. Jesus healed him. Get Jesus here in your midst and ask him questions. If you want to know who did it, talk to Jesus. Don't talk to me. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved, or at the root of that word saved, that we must be healed. I think Peter is intentionally punning on this. Yeah, I healed a man, and I healed him eternally. Right? But I didn't do it. Jesus did it. He's the person you ought to be getting here in front of you. And so how do we do these good deeds? Great, John. Thanks for showing me that Jesus is the example, telling me to do something that's hard that I might not like. And again, like to be crass about it and for throwing up the example of Jesus into my face to guilt me into doing this, right? By loving indeed, not just in word. 
Great, I'll take you up on this, John. How shall I do it? Peter's answer is, well, you do it by the name of Jesus. That's how you do it. See, it's not about me. It doesn't matter what I want to do or what I don't want to do. Now, so much of my life is about that, right? Think about just being an employee. So much of our lives are not at our disposal. Think about being a kid (laughs) with parents who still get to tell you what to do, right? So much of my kid's time is not theirs because I'm controlling it for them to some extent. Or their school is controlling it for them, right, students? Right? These professors, these classes you signed up for, they're controlling your time. But again, like, if we're going to love people and we're going to do it indeed, then we, we have to be perhaps inconvenienced. It can't just be what I want and how I want it. But if I'm supposed to do it, and how am I supposed to do it? Well, it's by the name of Jesus. It's not about me. It's not about my gifts. It's not about my wants. It's about someone else's needs and someone else's dignity and right in the name of Jesus to have me serve them. Gregory the Great, the Pope from 590 to 604, adopted the title Servant of the Servants of God. Imagine reaching the highest office of Christendom and someone said, what are you going to do now? And he said, I'm going to serve everyone because I am the greatest servant of them all. Not haughtily, not pridefully. This office is to serve others. I am the servant of the servants of God. That's what it means to do good deeds in the name of Jesus. It's to serve others. It's to be put out, to be inconvenienced, to be stretched. I would even go so far as to say it's to complain When I read the Psalms, God can take it. He doesn't seem to be surprised when humans complain to him. He's nonplussed when we argue and become verbally combative with him about perhaps something he's asking us to do. I mean, God's like a good parent. He knows he has all the power. (laughs) Right? He knows at the end of the day, this discussion is going to end the way he probably wants it to end or she wants it to end. So again, like, it might be those things. I might even do it so voluntarily and so happily and so graciously that, you know, someone writes a psalm about my self-sacrificial service to God. And sometimes I'm going to do it so begrudgingly and so grumpily and kind of being frustrated the whole time, and God's going to say, that's all right. It's good for you. So my kids don't want to do things. I could use examples, but I won't. Why do I have? Again, Dad, aren't the leaves just going to keep falling out of the trees? Why do I have to pick them up? So again, we do this because God's commanded us to do it. We do this because Jesus models for us what it means to to love indeed. And then we do it in the name of Jesus because it's not about us. As a matter of fact, when I do something, right, it, it, it better be pointing to Jesus. I shouldn't be doing it for my benefit. Because otherwise, I should really check my spirit and realize that is not the right spirit to be serving God in and with. And then finally, the Gospel of John this evening. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And any good shepherd, that's my emendation, any, any good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's what it means to be a good shepherd. 
Don't claim you're a good shepherd if you're going to cower in the corner when someone comes for the sheep. No, a good shepherd would lay down his life for that sheep, right? So how do we know that this is the true way to love others? How do we know that, you know, maybe Peter and, and John are getting it right? Well, because Jesus had already said, good shepherds lay down their life for their sheep. And I'm your shepherd and you're my sheep. And guess what? I'm going to send that cross and die for you. And so John is just simply saying, Jesus modeled it. We have to go do it. And so I knew this. This is, not, this is not new to me. I doubt if this is new to you. We know this. We're probably a, a congregation of good Christians who have already thought about many of these things. But I will confess I haven't been great at doing them, or at least I've only been good at doing them when convenient. Perhaps even on occasion when they served me. But the bishop has been trying to say, like, look, we need disciples making disciples. We need missional leaders, people who will model this for us. Now, theoretically, that should be all of us. But, of course, some people are just more gifted in this way. And we want to empower those people to model for us. And then we want to get on board with those people. Within 24 hours of each other this week, I had three different parishioners email me with two separate proposals and thoughts about how we could start ministering to the homeless population that's around us. I don't think they had been talking to each other. Well, two of them had, but the, the other one hadn't. But yet, homelessness immediately within 24 hours this week stood out as something that people in this parish are thinking about. And I think about it too, mostly because I grumble about their presence in my community. So how humbling is that to get two emails where two different groups of people are saying, we think this would be great, something we could do as a parish. Is that okay with you? Do you support this? Imagine having that moment in your office where you have to realize how duplicitous and double-minded you've been about it. And of course, we are behind it. And again, here are people, Lord willing, taking the lead. We're not creating a program. We're not randomly picking someone because we think you have the time in ways that other people don't have the time. But as we form missional leaders, as we get behind what the bishop wants for us, then we will empower those people to go do the work as models for us. Those who have the giftings will lead out, and hopefully the rest of us sheep, slower perhaps to catch up, will follow. And then the bishop's goal is ultimately to multiply missional communities. We need more parishes in this diocese. Not parishes for parishes' sake, but because growth in parishes means people's hearts are being changed and churches are growing and people are being reached with the gospel. Not just growth because more people like what we do aesthetically, but growth because people are being touched and changed. Do you think that man Peter healed was the same man after that moment? Do you think that crippled man who walked away from that healing thought, well, this is nice. What a great swell guy that was. Lucky for me. No, I'm sure that man never stopped telling a really good story. <laughs> and by telling that story, he was, in fact, telling the gospel. And so as we get our minds around this, as I have finally come around and gotten this mind around it, and now I want to encourage you to get your mind around it, and I really hope you're not as slow as I am. 
about these things. As we, as we think about this and start trying to implement this, right, and this, this is the vision. This is what our diocese is, is doing. This is the way our bishop is leading us, and so we need to be behind it. We need to get behind it, and not just the ways that I was behind it theoretically or reluctantly or the way I may have grumbled my way behind it, but no, enthusiastically, but yet using the gifts and talents that exist in this parish. What we do will have to look like this parish. What God will lead us to do, I'm sure, will look different than what, you know, Father Charles on Skid Row will be doing. Right? We don't need to drive by a bunch of homeless people to get to those homeless people. Right? We can stay in our own community and meet needs. We can find a way to be a parish, a La Mirada-based parish, and do good deeds. So two things. Let me end and leave you with this. One, what are you doing this Saturday? Nothing. Great. Come out to love La Mirada. Eight to noon, free Chick-fil-A lunch at noon. Come out, pick up trash, pay a fence, do something absolutely below your pay grade. Why? Because our community will benefit from it. Because people in our community, you might not live here, but this is our church community. People who live here will see it. They will see not just us as believers, but others out trying to make a difference in the community, which means making a difference in people's lives. So there is everything from picking up trash to putting backpacks together for the homeless. So go online, lovelamorata.org, sign up. Skip the Chick-fil-A lunch. You probably won't do that. Four hours, minimal, maximum commitment, four hours. But... Beyond that, I also want to tell you about the Next Steps Conference. And I think many of you were given that sheet when you walked in the door. This is a conference. It's scheduled for Saturday, June 2nd. Obviously, we're the one that's the Southwest. This is the Next Steps in Mission Conference that the bishop and the leadership team of the diocese has put together. I don't know any of these people who are coming to speak, right, except um, I've heard good things about all of them. But they're going to come and just try to talk about the way in which Christians are called to be missionaries and how we're called to be disciplers and be discipled and how we're supposed to be leaders. Will they say things that you might not already know? Probably. That's okay. We can be reminded of those things. I've done the same job in Tory for 13 years. You know how many times I've repeated myself? Right? Yeah, that's right. Other professors know exactly how many times we repeat ourselves. Will we learn new things? Yeah, I assume. That's my guess. Will it change us? I don't know. Will the Spirit use it in your life? I imagine so. How? Who knows? I can't answer those questions. All I can do is say, look, on Saturday, June 2nd, from 9 to 5.30, for a mere $25, if you can pay it, great. If you can't, the parish will pay it for you. Come and hear these people and what they have to say. So that we as a parish can continue to get on board with what the bishop has laid out as the vision of this diocese. Again, I can't promise you anything. All I can do is admonish you and encourage you to be there. Christina and I signed up today. I got an email from Steve. He and Betsy are for sure going. And again, this is not to guilt you. It's just to say other people will be going. Hopefully you won't have to sit at a table with people you don't know. Except those of you that like that. So God is calling us to do something. He's always been calling us to do it. 
We pray that we will do it, but now I'm encouraging us as a parish, as we move forward in the future, let us do it. Good deeds, love in deeds, not in words. And if this is only a sermon that I needed to hear tonight, so be it. But if it's a sermon that you needed to hear, thanks be to God. So let us go out and love God and love our neighbors ourselves. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.